Good afternoon, third service. How are we all doing today? Everybody good? I want to welcome you to Connect Community Church. If you're new for the first time, I just want to thank you for being here. And if you don't mind, would you mind joining me and just give a hand clap to all our online and cable viewers? Can we say hello? Good to have you also with us. Appreciate you being here. We've uh, had an increase in um, you know people uh, attending services and listening to services uh, via video in different parts of the world. In fact, I was mentioning to you a couple weeks ago that in Pakistan we have um, uh, groups of people listening in different parts of that country where it's not permissible. And in fact, I can't even share with you some of the, the, the video or, or pictures of that. But uh, just this last week, the pastor told me that uh, 77 people were watching, 77 people gave a decision to Christ watching a video that we just showed a couple of weeks ago. So I thought that was pretty cool. Is that amazing or what? 77 souls in eternity because of what happens right here. So that's pretty cool. God is neat. Amen. Listen, um, I'm going to make a couple, well, actually one announcement, just one quick announcement. Next week, we have our ninth annual turkey giveaway. And have you, any of you ever been to that? Raise your hand if you've been to that before. So a large number of you have been to that. Um, it's a fantastic event where we really just kind of sow seed into the community, pour into the community, really help people who uh, need encouragement and need maybe uh, uh, some, in more unfortunate circumstances in their life. And so... We're taking an offering next Sunday in the service, a special offering that would be 100% dedicated to our turkey uh, giveaway. We normally don't take offerings, so if you're new here, uh, we don't pass a plate. Uh, we believe in a, it's just kind of a different approach uh, to giving in terms of the method, not necessarily the message. But uh, on occasion, maybe like once a year, we take an offering, either to be given to um, a church plant or a catastrophe in another part of the world. But this is one of those things where we want to sow into our community. And so, so if you love uh, the opportunity to give, and uh, I'm encouraging you to participate in that with us, I just want to give you some notice so that you can prayerfully consider uh, a sacrificial offering on that day. My wife and I will be contributing to that as we, we believe in leading from the front. I, I, I almost never, I can't think of an occasion where I've asked you to talk to God about something or pray about something and then not participate ourselves. So we're looking forward to the opportunity uh, to sow into that as well. Amen? And if you'd like to get involved in that and actually serve on that day, we already have a lot of people that would be there that day. You're welcome to get involved. Just uh, sign up in Guest Central and let somebody know you're coming. Praise the Lord. Uh, you can uh, get your worship guides out. We're going to get into the series today. Last week, we hit the pause button on the series, and bless you, and bless you, and bless you uh, for the next one. Um, we hit the pause button on the series, uh, ABCs of Financial Freedom, and we talked about church and politics, and uh, it was kind of uh, interesting. We, we weren't sure whether a lot of people would come or nobody would come, but we kind of had a, a select crew who showed up for service that day, and and we talked about politics. I think people are just kind of scared about it. So I want to eliminate some of that fear. I don't know what it is about politics. You know, poly means many, and ticks is a blood-sucking insect. So I think the combination <laughs> of those two things just freaks people out. So we're getting out of that. But the election is in a couple days. I hope you know that. And uh, I wanted to read a scripture for you that's not in your notes. Psalm 146, verse 3 and following. It says this. Don't put your confidence. I was just reading this in my devotions this week. And I just thought this was cool. Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. When they breathe their last, they'll return to the earth. And all their plans die with them. But joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. Can I have an amen? amen. So I just want you to know that whoever's uh, in the White House, uh, you know, after November 8th, Jesus is still on the throne forever, forever and ever and ever. Amen? 
Amen. And I just want to encourage you to, let's, let's, just, let's just, sometimes I'm praying not just about November 8th, but I'm, pre- I'm praying about November 9th. What will the Christian's behavior be like if we don't get what we want? You know what I mean? And, and I just think it's sometimes we don't like what people say. We don't like to be assaulted or insulted. And, and you know, when they reviled Jesus, he reviled not again. And when, he, when they insulted him, he entrusted himself to him who judges rightly. And so we have a God on the throne who's still in charge, and we can entrust our lives to him ultimately and forever. Amen? Praise the Lord. So anyway, uh, we're in the ABCs of financial freedom. Here's what's going on. This particular series was born out of prayer. Whether you believe that or not, uh, there was prayer first, and then there was a little strategy second, and I'll explain that in, a, in that order. I was praying because um, as a pastor, uh, I sit and have the privilege sometimes to sit front row with people in their personal lives. And uh, you may think we just pray and, and read our Bibles and talk on Sundays, but sometimes we're actually encountering people during the week. <laughs> and uh, that's funny. You guys just don't realize that. So apparently I needed to say this. So you thought I, you really did think that's all I did. But, um, but one of the top stressors in people's lives, hands down, without a question, statistically and experientially, is financial stress. Financial stress. No doubt about it. Top problem. Uh, so another reason that, uh, so I want to help people get free. That's the reason. Because there's bad press out there. There's bad uh, messaging out there. And the church has done a horrible job talking about this subject. And I'm not going to take 15 minutes to qualify. But I just want you to know the motivation of this series is to see you free financially, free in your finance. Because if you're free, you can freely give. If you're free, uh, you know, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna prosper in your soul, and you won't have that stress that God doesn't want you to feel worry and anxiety. If he takes care of the birds and the lilies of the field, he wants to take care of us. Amen? And they have no worry about tomorrow, and we shouldn't either as his ultimate creation. Matthew 6, by the way. So um, this, the, the other part of it is it's just a good time to talk about it because there's a tendency for us to get really frivolous and foolish and crazy in our, in our finances because the holidays, like, are, we're just going to be inundated and assaulted with just invitations to just do stupid stuff. And this is when people kind of, you know, you know, have a black belt and MasterCard. You know what I'm saying? Let's just, like, just swipe it and wipe it and chip it and, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I hate that chip machine, by the way, just as an aside. I want to, like, when it goes, eh, eh, I want to shoot it. I just want to shoot it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, it just... Oh, man. I just like when you can swipe and go. Now it's like, you know, wait, 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 wait. Anyway, sidebar. Um, so I just think this is a good time to talk about it. So we put a little bit of boundary and buffer on our spending. We don't get foolish, and we make sure we're not, you know, having a good time for 30, 60 days. And then the first of the year, we're like, oh, my gosh, what did I do? And I can't even remember what I bought. So we want to be careful about that as we go forward. So in the first week, we talked about in the ABCs of financial freedom, A standard for attitude. And, and it was just kind of an aerial view on finance. In other words, we, we need to get things right through God's eyes. And so we talked about the importance of having a vision for your finances. Proverbs 29, 18 talks about how we need to have vision. And so the vision applies not just to certain parts of our life, but our whole life, including our finances. And I, I shared a story from Stacy and I's live, lives um, where we believe God for a home, and God gave us a vision, a revelation, a picture And God wants you to have a financial picture. And I challenge you to get and kind of do some homework and get a financial picture for your life. Because it's so powerful when you have vision for your finances. Amen. We talked about mindsets and beliefs and our attitude towards God, our attitude towards money. And and, 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 and there's many things we can think that affect the outcomes. If you think money is just a means to an end, that's going to affect an outcome. If you think there's always going to be more bills at the end of the month, that's going to affect the outcome. Because as a man thinks in his heart... 
So is he, right? So that was attitude. Then we got into B stands for bondage. Bondage is an ugly word, but it means, it means to kind of uh, be servant to the lender. A slave, you know, uh, you know to, to, to somebody that we borrowed from. And so we, we don't want to be on that trajectory. God wants us to be free in our finances. And so he gives us instruction. Now, now there's natural laws that we can apply that are definitely helpful when it comes to finances. Like, you know, we know we need something. We, we initially and almost immediately gravitate towards some of these natural laws. In fact, the first one is just income, earnings. I got to make more money so that I'm okay. But there are other ones. There's savings and, and giving and, and investing and things like that. But those were natural. But we took it up a notch because God's word always goes to another level. It says in his word in Isaiah that his ways are higher, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His wisdom confounds the wisdom of this world. And so there are other financial principles that will affect our thinking and kind of make a change from the inside out. So we talked about calling over compensation. We talked about like things like contentment over consumerism. These things will influence the outcomes of freedom that God wants you to have in your finances. Amen? So if you didn't get those two messages, man, you need, you need to go back and get those because they're, they're somewhat sequential and they'll help you tremendously. Today, C stands for choice. Everybody say choice. Choice. We're going to talk about C for choice. Next week, we're going to do one more on D. We won't go all the way through the alphabet. Don't worry, okay? So here's the big idea. If you're taking notes, write this down, okay? Here's the big idea. The choices we make make us. The choices that we make make us. You're the sum total of your experiences, your relationships, but your choices too. You're the sum total of your choices. The choices you make make us. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I'm not a big TV guy. I, I, I like more of, uh, you know, movies. I love movies. I love to just kind of, I, I don't like this, like, little, I, I hate interruptions. In fact, if I'm watching a movie and the kids come home, it's like, hit pause, because if they come in the middle of the movie and I miss something, like, it's going to be on, like, Donkey Kong. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't, I don't just don't do well with that. I don't like to be interrupted about anything. If I'm talking, I don't like to be interrupted. If I'm watching a movie, I don't like to be interrupted. So I like movies. But a TV show that I did like is the, is the show Biggest Loser. Has anybody ever watched the show Biggest Loser? Yes? No, maybe? Okay, if you haven't, it's such a cool, inspiring show, and I like those shows. You know, so I'm watching The Biggest Loser. Got a big bowl of ice cream and brownies and a couch. And, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, really, I did. But uh, and, and, and as I'm watching this, I'm 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 just enjoying the metamorphosis that occurs in people's lives. You know, where they go through this journey, where you know their their beliefs and their attitudes and and their 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 lifestyle practice and all this stuff is beginning to change. And, and then as it begins to change, their behaviors change. As the behaviors change, ultimately their body changes. There's a, there's a transformation, right? And we love that, right? But how many know there's a journey, right? It's a, it's a journey. But along that journey, there is either a defining moment, like a critical place, an essential place, or there, in addition to that, or and or, there were multiple moments where they had to make a choice. A coach, uh, a trainer comes along and basically says, in order for you to be sex successful and move forward and see your body transformed, you're going to have to make a choice. And they always highlight in the show these defining moments with people. And it's like, it's like a war. It's like where they're deciding to like let go and, and cross over and begin to trust their coach and trust their trainer and release, you know, the way they did and always. And it's just like it's a war with their flesh. There, there's fears. There's anxiety about it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? But it's that, 
It's that moment, that defining moment, that really uh, determines the destination that they're ultimately going to get to, the end game, the outcome, the thing they want to see ultimately happen in their life, and what that trainer and coach wants for them to see happen in their life. And, and I got to thinking about this this week as it relates to this message, because in preparation, I thought, you know what, that's the same thing is true when it comes to um, our finances. There, there's just... There's, there's, there's a defining moment really for many of us. There's a place in our uh, kind of relationship vertically with God where, yes, beliefs are important and attitude and mindsets and, and our outlook and all that and how we think it's so important. Yes, it's important that we, we, we have certain practices and lifestyle and, and behaviors, uh, you know, that we, we see things right. You know, we get the right principles in our, in our mind. But, but ultimately, in order for that to be changed, there has to be a choice. In order for there to be change, there has to be a choice. It comes down to choices. I think the most powerful muscle we have in our body is not our quadriceps and our bicep. It's our will. It's our will. It's our will. And, and as it comes to your relationship with God, it ultimately, it's a choice. It's a choice. And so, you know, we have no problem sometimes making the choice to trust God with our eternity. Like... Think about how epic that is, where ultimately to be a Christ follower, to be saved, born again, whatever word that you want to fill in the blank there, you had to transfer, you had to make a choice to transfer the trust from what you did or what you could do to what he did and it's already been done. That is a big choice. And because of that transfer of, of responsibility from you to him and that decision and that choice to trust in him, you believe your eternity, you put it all on the line for eternity. But we have a hard time choosing to trust God when it comes to our finances. Are you tracking with me? So my question is, when you look in the mirror, just like those contestants do on The Biggest Loser, are you happy with the financial picture that you see? Are you happy with where you are in your life financially? Are you, are you content with that particular place and where you are? And, and, and you, are you finding yourself with the picture that you wanted to see. And this week I want to talk kind of about that mama jamma, big kahuna choice, really to trust God completely. That's kind of your big choice today. As a Christian, the toughest decision, the biggest decision is to totally trust God in all things, in everything. Not just with eternity, not just, that. that's huge. That is the biggest transfer of trust. But it's also in another area of our life, which we'll get to. But first, let me, let me give you a, a story from the book of Deuteronomy. There's this rock star leader, Moses. All of us have heard of him, Moses. You know, Moses was perhaps next to Jesus the most high-impact player in the, in the kingdom of God and in the world that ever lived. Some people would say that. Certainly in the Old Testament, he was a dynamic uh, used in, in signs and wonders, supernatural, uh, super influential, had the, the biggest church on the planet. Uh, Moses was amazing. And in Deuteronomy chapter 30, he is 120 years old. He's sitting on his deathbed. He's taken Israel out of Egypt. They're fourth in inch, inches from being into the promised land. So they're, they're kind of on the, just on the cusp of the wilderness and into the promised land. And Moses sits down, and he's gonna, he needs to unpack some things in his final breaths. Now, how many know that when you're, you see somebody or you know somebody that's in the final stages of their life, and they want to tell you something, you tend to lean in, don't you? Just this last week, I was talking to an elderly woman and, and her husband, and, 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 and what was going through my brain was, be sensitive, because you don't know how many more phone calls like this you're going to have with them. You need to listen. You need to listen. Don't just tell. Listen. 
And I did, and I did. And I think that's what's happening here in this particular chapter is Moses is getting ready to communicate and download some things, and all his leaders and key people in his life, they're leaning in. And this is what he says, Deuteronomy 30, verse 15, he says, now listen, okay, Moses, today I'm going to give you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and keep his commandments, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. Make the choice to do this. If, one of the most powerful small words, big but small words, if you do this, you will live and multiply. Your translation may say increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are about to enter and occupy. But, another big word, small number of letters, but if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen and if you're drawn away to serve and worship other gods, other interests, you make that wrong choice, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You won't end up where you want to go, in other words. You're going to kind of hit that wrong destination. You won't have that right picture that you want to have for your life. He says, basically, you will not live a long, good life in the land you are crossing, the Jordan. The Jordan represents this promised place to occupy. This dream won't happen. Today, I've given you the choice. Here it is, between life and death, between blessing and cursing. Now I call. He's basically saying, I'm calling a big meeting. I want everybody to listen. I want even heaven to listen. Now I call heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. This is a big deal, everybody. I'm on my deathbed. I want you to listen to this. Heaven and earth are witnessing to this. Oh, that you would choose life so that your descendants might live. Moses is saying, choose life. He's bringing them like a good coach or a trainer would in The Biggest Loser to a point of decision, a defining moment where he's saying, you're going to have to choose. You're going to have to choose. And, and I don't know about you, but I don't think he could spell it out any plainer. In my house, sometimes I'll say things like, you know, when I, when I went back when I was in the right place and I used to curse and say things I shouldn't say, I used to, like, convert certain things, you know, to kind of transition out of cursing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yep. No? Nobody knows what I'm talking about. Anyway, I could give you some phrases, but yeah, we'll do it offline later. But, uh, but I used, I, now I say, like, for the love of Moses. For the love of Moses. And I always think about this particular, this particular verses in chapter, you know, where he's, it's just like, God, Moses is trying to get through to them. He's trying to appeal with every bit of influence that he has. And he's basically saying in this particular text, obedience precedes blessing. Obedience precedes blessing. You cannot separate favor and blessing on your life and on your finances from obedience. You can't. You just cannot do that. And so whether you're here in Connect, you're listening online as a Christian, uh, there's a way for us to live that positions us for favor and blessing. And there's a way that we can live that puts us out from underneath that favor and blessing in our life as well. And so God is saying through his word, under the inspiration of Moses, I want to bless you. Okay, pastor, how do we do that? How do we get under that blessing? Well, God gives us some instruction literally in multiple places in the Bible. But one that's the roadmap that's really, really clear is in the book of Malachi. I mean, uh, Malachi. <laughs> it's not like Italian croissant or something, okay? It's not what it sounds like. Malachi, okay? So Malachi, it kind of has four chapters, real small book, and it actually deals with several things that God's trying to get our hearts right in. And one of those several things he addresses in each chapter, in chapter 3, he addresses finances. He talks about family and other things, but he talks about finances in chapter 3. And in Malachi chapter 3, he basically is talking to the people of Israel who once again have drifted. Is anybody ever familiar with the kind of the disease of drift? You know, as anybody can say, you know, I I like to be able to say I'm not where I want to, I'm not where I used to be, but 
No, I can't say it right. <laughs> I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. Has anybody ever said something like that? Sometimes we're not where we want to be, and, you know, we need to, we need to move forward. We haven't grown at all, or, or we were here, we were on the mountain, but we're back down in the valley again. Then we're on the mountain, back down in the valley again. And that's kind of the story of Israel, up and down and up and down. This time, they're in a down phase. They're out from underneath the blessing of God, in particular in this area of finances and several other areas as well. So Malachi 3 they're now out from underneath this blessing, and God speaks to them. And he kind of has a conversation with them without letting them talk. He's almost talking to their conscience. It's kind of a funny scenario. Like, you know, God knows what we're thinking. He knows what we would say. He knows our questions. And so he does the whole thing, and we get to listen in. This will make sense in a second, okay? So he says, for I am the Lord. God is talking, in other words. I do not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I told you this before. I'm telling you this now. I'll tell you this again. It just doesn't change. I'm that guy, okay? And then he says this. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away. You have gone away from my ordinances. Everybody say ordinances. Okay, so that's a weird word, but it basically means uh, 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 practices of a believer of ordinary behavior. There are certain ordinances. We just practice an ordinance which was communion. It's a sacrament. It's an ordinary behavior for Christians. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. That it's, you see that personal connection. Remember me. He says something similar in this particular chapter in a second. So you've walked away from my ordinances and have not kept them. You, 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 you're not, you're, now you're hurting for it. He says, return to me. Now I want you to see that word me because I want you to know with this subject that we're getting ready to talk about, it's personal for God. It's personal. It's a, always about relationship to God. It's always a heart thing for God. It's not about what sometimes we think it's about. And we miss the point. He says, return to me. And then he says, and I will return to you. So there's really principles in God's word. If this is like the principle of reciprocity. You know, draw near to God, I'll draw near to you. So, and you'll reap. Return to me, I'll return. You see this all throughout the Bible. He says, return to me and I'll return to you. Then he goes on to say, so, so you'll get right back under that blessing again if you return to me. But you said this. Wait a minute. Did they say anything? No, because he's having a conversation with what they would have said. <laughs> but you said, and he knows what you're thinking, in what way shall we return to you? How, God is saying, you know, I mean, they're saying how, and he's saying, He's saying, I'm going to tell you how. We, well, we want to return, so what do we do? God answers the question, and he says, do not rob God. Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? Now, I'm going to clarify that language because it usually scares people and freaks them out. But then he says, but you say, isn't it funny he's saying you say when they didn't say anything because it's a conversation with what they would have said. It's crazy. This whole thing is crazy. So he says, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? So God takes it up a notch. Okay, I'm going to be very specific. So there's, there's total clarity here. He says, in tithes and offerings. So let's deal with this tough subject by saying it out loud. Tithes and offerings. Come on, say it. Don't be afraid of those words, okay? And so, therefore, he says, you are cursed with a curse. You, you put yourself under a curse. I didn't do it to you. For you have robbed me. Even the whole nation. Everybody's struggling with this. That's why the nation's struggling because they've forgotten this. Here's the solution or remedy. Bring all the tithes, or your, your translation may say the whole tithe, into the storehouse. Now the storehouse, just so you know, 
Throughout the Bible, the storehouse, sometimes it's got different names. It'll say the place his name abides, the designated place of worship, the temple of God. It's referring to the church. It's where you get spiritually fed, where you use and function in your gifts, where you're equipped. That's what the storehouse is talking about. So he's saying, you've, here's how you return to me. You first have to do it in tithes and offerings. You have to return those to the storehouse, that, which means the local church, so that there may be food in my house. You guys get spiritually, are you guys fed well here at Connect? Okay, so that's the food he's talking about. Food in my house. So the answer to returning these, to returning to God is what I told you. So we'll go on to the next verse in just a second, but let me clarify what a tithe is because some of you have never heard any of this before. You might be listening, you never heard this before. A tithe really refers to the tenth, the tenth, ten. It's ten percent of all of your increase, of all of your income. Maser is kind of the, the, the Hebrew word there, okay? So the tenth. Now, it, it's given, just to be clear, to the storehouse. It's not given to 12 different organizations, philanthropic things that we choose and we designate. No, this is designated to the storehouse according to Scripture. And, why, and, and, then, and, and then an offering is above the tithe, so tithe is what we bring or return to God. An offering is above the tithe. So I actually believe since the tithe belongs or returns to God, that's not even giving. Giving begins above that in offerings according to God's word. So I'll, I'll unpack that a little bit more, but let me, let me tell you what the, the issue is. First, let's write this down. It says, how do, you, how do you actually make this big choice to trust God? How do we trust God? First, we must decide to relinquish control relinquish control. This is the main issue. When I was writing this in my notes, I accidentally uh, forgot to put the word, the letter I in main, and I wrote, this is the man issue. <laughs> and I thought to myself, it is a man issue, isn't it? As men, we have a hard time. I don't know, ladies don't have as hard a time, a lot of times because they're not controlling the finances. But traditionally, men are controlling the finances, and so it's, it's, it's an issue. And, 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 and God, I, I was praying, and I was saying, God, give me some way to explain what it must be like for you with us. And when I was in college, uh, my daddy helped me start a business. And I used to teach, believe it or not, I used to teach gymnastics. I used to teach tumbling, uh, floor exercises. I wasn't that good. I could do just enough to sell people to trust me, basically. I could do, it was just enough to do damage, just a couple of crazy flips and things like that. But I really wasn't a really good tumbler. What I was good at is spotting. I was a great kind of coach spotter. And so I was semi, I could run as fast sideways as they could run forwards. And so, and then I could, I could put hands in different positions to just bring security, almost like Bruce Lee with nunchucks. So I'd be going, <laughs> running, down the, running down the mats with them like this really, really fast. And I, it's a weird talent. I don't know what it means, but, uh, but it worked for me. <laughs> it worked for me. And, and, and on top of that, I had this uh, innate protective instinct. I was, I was just, uh, I never let anybody fall or fail. Never in my entire career in teaching gymnastics did I ever let anybody hurt themselves. Not one time. And, and, I, and I got pretty confident about that. Not cocky, but confident about that. I, just, I would just reassure people, you're safe with me. You can trust me. And so I'm running up and down. With them. 
tap, tap, tap. And they have all these little phrases, and they're doing round off, back hamstring, back tuck, full layout, twist, you know, Arabian, all these different things. And I knew what to do in those situations to bring confidence to these young girls who were going on to next level in their gymnastics or their careers or as cheerleaders or whatever they were doing. And as a result, it became very lucrative to, for me because many, many people and parents were like, oh, you know, I don't have to worry about my kid because it was a dangerous, dangerous sport. Is everybody tracking with me? But many, many would not be successful. And it always came down to this moment of choice. And I can't tell you how many times I get on my knees and I look in this little girl's eyes and I'm saying, listen, you need to trust me. I've been doing this a long time. I got you. I got you. I'm telling you. Trust me. I'm going to be right there alongside you the whole time. I'm going to be tapping. I'll do these little things. I'm going to be, the whole time I'm right there with you. I got you. I got you. I got you. You need to trust me. The same thing I think God is trying to do with us in our finances. See, when it comes to trusting him with the tithe, ultimately we're saying to him, no, 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 I don't, I don't, I, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to take care of me. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I'm safe. I'm going to make sure I'm secure. See, we're not willing to, you don't realize the release that comes when you trust God by giving him the 10% back and returning that to the storehouse. You're saying to him, then, I, then I'll manage the other 90, but I'll be blessed because I'm trusting you with the 10%. Versus I'm going to hold this 10% and then I'm going to manage all 100% of it. That puts you fully responsible. But when you give back to God what he says, it puts you under the favor and blessing of God. Then you can say to him, do you got me? Do you got me? I, I'm trusting you. I've transferred trust to you. I need to know that I'm not going to fall and that I'm not going to fail. I'm not going to crash. I'm going to be able to keep running at the speed of life, and you've got me. And he said, I got you. I got you. I got you. Is everybody tracking with me? This is a huge, huge thing when it comes to the subject of the tithe. I think this is how God feels. And I think it's about lordship. See, salvation is about here. Lordship's about here. See, we, I, I surrender my eternity. But I can't trust you here on this life down here. See, that's crazy to God. And he's like, he's getting down on his knee, and he's looking at us, and I say, you need to trust me. Trust me. I got you. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. The Good News Translation says, never rely on what you think, what you know, and what you see. Number two, we must restore fellowship to break the curse. We must restore fellowship to break this curse. Now, because the children of Israel, like us, didn't follow the ordinary practices, the ordinances of God, they were now out of fellowship. There was this breach in fellowship. Now, it didn't breach in the sense that they were divorced from God. This is what people get messed up. What does it mean to be under a curse? Are we just rejected by God? No, you're, you're not divorced from him. You're, you feel the distance from him. People See, this is always about relationship. People who withhold the tithe never feel that close to God. People who give the tithe feel closer to God. It's not about divorce. It's about distance. It's not about you lost your identity. You lost your impact. It's not about you lost who you are in Christ. It's about you lost what you could have here on earth because you withheld the tithe. Is everybody tracking with me? Parents, just imagine this. Imagine how many, how many have kids? Parents with kids? All right. Some of you won't raise your hand even with kids. You're like, I don't want to claim them. I don't want to claim them. <laughs> how, many ha how many are a kid? Okay, see if we can get some. Anyway, but if you have kids, imagine if your kids robbed from you, stole from you, and you found out about it. They got into your closet where, you, where, where, where your purse is, ladies, and they took cash out of it. They got into your drawers where you hide money in your bloomers. 
mom, and uh, she's in the room. Anyway, uh, certain people have different places where they stash money, and your kids found it, and they stole from you. Or they took possessions in your house, and you didn't know it, and they went and pawned them and got the cash for it. And then you found out about it. I mean, your heart would hurt for that if you heard that. And here's the thing. No matter how badly you would want to bless them, you couldn't possibly bless them because they robbed from you. See, they were looking through the wrong lens. They were looking at you through the wrong lens. See, it's not about money to you. You would have gladly given it to them. It wasn't about money. It's, it's, you would have been hurt because that's in their heart. They think they couldn't ask me and I couldn't bless them, so they chose to take it from me. See, God's not up in heaven saying, you're going to be under a curse. God, and that's why he says, do not rob me. He's up in heaven saying, you're robbing me of the opportunity to bless you. That's what he's saying. And as a parent, because you stole it, you took it, or you robbed it from me, now I can't, now I can't bless you. And, and it's personal. It's personal. He's concerned for you at a heart level. He doesn't need the money. He knows you need to give it because it releases your heart and your trust so that he can in turn give you money and more other things that you need in your life. Are you tracking with me, everybody out there? So, so it's interesting that, and this is kind of weird, but God wants to um, take the performance-based relationship out with him. So he says, if you love me, keep my commands. Well, I mixed that up for many, many years in John 14, 15. 15. It's basically, love me, you will keep my commands. But... He never says in the Bible with any kind of outward sign to prove you love him except one area. He never says, go to church and that's how you show me you love me. Going to church is important. Being planted and rooted is critical to your faith. He never says you need to serve to prove that you love me. He never says that. Even though serving with your gifts, your time, your talent, your abilities is critical to growing. But this is one area where he says, I want, I'm testing you and then you can test me. This is the one area where he says, in essence, prove it, and then I'll prove it. Interesting. Why? Because there's a direct association between what is going on in here and what is going on, not in my butt, but in my wallet. <laughs> I just want to make sure everybody, try. I don't have my wallet, so I had to point to my butt. <laughs> I knew some of you might get lost on that. So, it's so closely associated. And you say, no, it's not. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. If you're honest... Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It doesn't say where your heart is, there you'll find your treasure. Mm -mm. Nope. Every place you put your treasure will always be followed by your heart. In fact, people sometimes get worried. They get saved. This is an experiential statement. I'm, I'm, just, I'm not saying this is biblical, so just take this or leave this, okay? But a lot of times people get saved, and they're dramatically saved. They come out of a life of whatever. We're all dramatically saved, regardless of our testimony and story, when you contrast it against the perfection, the glory, and majesty of God. But as we compare ourselves to others, sometimes we think differently. But if you came out of a particular background, addictive background, divorce, brokenness, you know, just splits and, and issues in your life, people sometimes get into the faith and realize, Jesus saved me, but then they try to earn what God gave them freely. And this is what they do. I gotta, you know, they're the kind of people that got to be in church seven days a week if it was open seven days a week. They're going to be in small group. If there's small groups every day, they're going to go to small group every day. If they can serve, they'll serve in 29 ministries if they could. Why? Because they love Jesus so much? Well, that's what it looks like on the outside, but inside they're afraid. They're afraid, right? So that's an extreme side. But I want to say something else about this. People that are afraid of falling away, if you never want to fall away from God, be a tither. People who tithe almost, I, I don't know anybody that's fallen away from the faith if you're a tither because your heart and your money are connected. 
If you're a tither, you will never fall away from God. That's my testimony to you as an observer of the Christian experience for many, many years in my life. So what happens when we trust God? Number three, God attaches a promise to the tithe. He attaches this promise. In verse 10, he says this, and try me, or in your Bible it may say, test me now. Now, he says, not later, now. I will, see if I won't open up the windows of heaven. Remember that word, windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing, I can hear my father, such a blessing, that there will not be room enough to receive it. So, so if you read this as a Christian, you, if you read this for the first time, you might be, what? That is, what? Hashtag, wow. You're telling me if I return and I give God 10% to the storehouse, he's going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that I can't even contain it. That's crazy nuts. Wow, that's awesome. I can't wait to do that. I know people have heard this for the first time, and they're like, that's incredible. I can't believe nobody's ever taught me. That's why we're doing this for you. The second group of people are saying this. There's another group of people saying, I tried it, and it didn't work. I returned the tithe to the storehouse, and it didn't work. And I would just say to you, respectfully, you're wrong, and here's why. Here's why. I hope you can hear this. Because you're disconnecting this ordinance or practice outwardly from what's happening in your heart. In other words, you can give 10% and you can put in that connection box back there and it not work for you if your heart's not right. Let me give you a Bible for that. Matthew 23, 33, 23, 23, you can look at that for yourself. Matthew 6, 36 through 38. Let me, let me tell you that one. Matthew 6, 38, this is what preachers do. They do this a lot. Pentecostals, charismatics, charismatics in particular. It says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give unto your bosom. Anybody heard that verse before? It's awesome. Preachers, I mean, I could preach the paint off the walls with that verse. But people just preach that verse because they're trying to get something from you instead of something through you. Verse 36 and verse 37 say this. It says, this is paraphrasing. Judge not that you be not judged. Condemn not that you be not condemned. Forgive others if you want to be forgiven. So remember how I said there's a window of heaven that God wants to open for us and pour out a blessing? Yes or no? You remember that? We just read it just a second ago. Okay. So to open a window or to open a door, sometimes we need a key. On every key, there are teeth. So I want you to imagine, there's a key to open up the window of heaven for you to pour out a blessing you cannot contain. And on that key are these little teeth. The teeth are judge not, condemn not, forgive. Then when you give, click, he will give and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain and the window's open. Judge not means a critical thought. Condemn not means to sentence someone that you hope they get what, what's coming to them. That's not going to work well for you. Forgive means to release people. If you don't judge, if you don't condemn, if you forgive, then when you give and you apply this principle, God will open up the windows of heaven. You cannot contain the blessing of God on your life. Amen. That works. That'll preach. All right, here's the last point. You getting something out of this? Number four, he lets us test him. He lets us test him. Everywhere else in the Bible, God says, don't be, don't be testing me. My father used to point his bony finger at me because his fingers are just as long as mine. He'd say, don't you test me, son. And I'd be like, Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. I mean, my father, my father, my father. You know, I'd be like so scared. Don't you trust me? Don't you trust me, son? Don't you trust me, son? Anyway, God's not like that. He, he did, maybe with certain things, but with this particular area, he says, test me. Just, just try me. I dare you. I put you to the test, and I realize, son, daughter, sir, man, boy, or girl, that this test may be tough for you because it touches your heart. 10%, God? 
I mean, from our end, it's like, whoo, wow. Man, when I was making 10 bucks, that wasn't so bad, but now I'm making 1,000. You know, it's like, that's a lot. He, he knows that. He knows that because it's a challenge. It's a challenge of trust. But he's saying, here's the deal. I'm not testing you in something without you being able to say right back to me, now test me. I dare you. It's the only place in the Bible where he says you can test me in this. The, it's the greatest choice of all. I found the great. Sorry, that's anyway. I could do, make this a Whitney Houston song. To trust God with the tithe. It might be the greatest test of all in our life. And if you do that, pass this test, God will bless you. Can I have an amen? amen. Now, let me get a couple questions out of the way that before we go forward. And by the way, there's no big ask today. The ask is going to be go home, talk to God about it, just so you know. But, but I want to get out a couple questions fast. First one is, is the tithe, isn't that Old Testament, PD? Well, clearly, uh, if you've studied just a little bit, you go to, you go to God instead of Google, it's basically, it predates the law. It was there in Genesis with Cain and Abel. They, they brought basically a tithe to God, the first of everything they had. You see it with Abraham with Melchizedek in, in uh, Genesis chapter 14. It predates the law. Not only that, it's after the law when Jesus came and fulfilled it on the cross. He, he didn't abolish it. He fulfilled it. But in Matthew chapter 23, he told these religious people, hey, listen, he dealt with these three teeth that I was just talking about. You can see them there. And then he said, you ought to or you should tithe. If Jesus, red letter edition, said you ought to or should do something, that ought to be good or should be good enough for you. So that's what I think about the tithe. What about, what about giving on net versus gross? This is a super common question. Do I give on my net or do I give on my gross? I would just say that um, the blessing is on giving on all of your increase. See, what people, people ask that question. Here's what's behind the question. What is the minimum I can give and still be okay with God? And remember, God takes his personal. So, so we're saying, God, I just want to know so that you keep blessing me. What's the, you know, how do I just get right over, you know, see, think how that is personal to God, okay? So I just think you need to think about it through that lens, all right? Now, what if I start giving less than 10%? You know, 10% is not the goal. It's the baseline. It's the standard. Regardless of your age, stage, and wage, it gives you the opportunity to be a proportionate giver. So if you're 20 or you're like me, 35, basically, <laughs> basically, basically, um, you're a liar, Pastor. Basically, it just makes our sacrifice equal and our opportunity equal in the process. So God makes it proportional. So it's just a standard. Don't look at it as a goal. It's actually a basement, to be honest with you. It's a basement. It's not the ceiling of giving. You'll actually start giving after that and see the blessing of God in your life. In fact, I'll make a statement that people who tithe can always bring offerings because God blesses it. So, I, so, so next week, we'll take an offering. This is, I'm going to make a bold statement, and, and hopefully it hits you the right way. But it's a testimony, not an in-your-face confrontation. But the money that will come in next week for the offering will come from, I'd say, 90% from the tithers. Because they have it. They can. Because they've been blessed. They've been blessed. That's what happens. So I'm saying that as a testimony. Get under that blessing. Position yourself. Watch what happens as you go forward. Amen? And, and, and lastly, what do you do with the money? You know, what, what's, what's the church do with the money? And, and people that ask that question, I just want to say, I'm gonna, it's because you've been burnt. You've been hurt. And people have taken advantage, like in my position. And I just want to say I'm sorry about that. That's not going to happen here. 
And it hasn't happened from my father's ministry through me, and it will not happen beyond in Jesus' name. But we, we've just run a clean bill of health. Every dollar is sacred. We use it for ministry. I don't have homes in other places. I'm not driving Maseratis. We shop at Kohl's, okay? I mean, it's just, so I do do whole, whole foods, though, once in a while, but it's health reasons. But anyway, you can think what you want. My wife's upset about that. But uh, I, just, <laughs> I just want you to know. So, so I was thinking a few things before I conclude. I want to say this. Um, first of all, we've been doing this tithing for, for almost 20, 24 years, 24 years, faithfully, never missed, to my knowledge. In fact, I've over, I'd like double, I was double tithing just this year because I was so, I'm so paranoid about it. I'm so like, I want to make sure God's first, God's first, God's first. So it's just God's always blessed, always, always blessed in this area. So I'm not asking you to do something that I wouldn't do myself. But the reason I'm saying that is because I have such experience, experiential knowledge and conviction about it. I want to make, I want to make another kind of bold statement I've never made before, another guarantee. If you choose to do this, in other words, you decide to become a tither. You give 10% of your gross income to the local church. And after one year, you can look me in the eye and say, Pastor, I have not been blessed. I do not think this is work. This work. Then you come talk to me, and we will give you 100% of your money back. 100%. That's how convinced I am that this will work. And I just want you to know that. I'm not saying that is some like contractual thing or some kind of, you know, whatever, just method. I'm just so, it's like I'm just seeing myself sitting on my knee talking to one of these kids. That's how I feel and that's how I think God feels. He's like, I dare you to trust me. I just dare you to trust me. Now, in the front of your, the front seat, there's a seat in front of you. There's a card inside of it. When you pull that card out, it looks like this. It's right in the seat back. Don't get afraid. This is just a little piece of information. It's a little homework for you to go home with, Okay. ABCs of financial freedom. If you turn it over, there's two, look at me though, and I'll explain it, okay? I promise. There's two basically opportunities here. If you are a tither, and some of you are a tither in here, I'm just asking you to recommit, like kind of draw a line in the sand. Yeah, I witnessed to this. This is, this is a big deal. I want to be public about it. We are public about everything but money. Okay, so we make a decision to follow Christ, we raise our hand, we fill out a connection card, we tell somebody about it. We always say, be public. When you get water baptized. We say, you need to be baptized publicly. We declare and profess that. When we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, we speak it out. But when we come to money, oh, that's, oh, oh, it's quiet. So I'm, I'm going to protect the culture. So I'm not asking you to do something without talking to God about it. So this is for you to take home. I'm asking you to go home, talk, if you're married, talk to your spouse about it. And then talk to God about it, and talk to God about it as well, and pray about it. If you're single, I'm asking you to go home and talk to God about this. I want you to wrestle with God about trusting him in your finances. He wants to spot you. He's there to run right alongside with you and ensure that you don't crash, that you don't, you don't fall when you, when you, when you tell him. Everybody's going to fall in stumble in many ways, but God will pick you up. He'll be your security blanket through this. And if you'll trust him in your finances and return to him, he, you'll position yourself for blessing and favor in your life. So the next week, bring this back with you. Now, if you don't want to, hey, that's fine. It's just between you and God. But next week, we'll, we'll make an opportunity where we mention this. We won't have like any kind of public thing where you have to stand up in front of people. But we'll mention this so that you can make that commitment um, and make that real before God. Sometimes when you declare it and you say something, it just puts that stamp on it that you need to demonstrate that you trust God. I dare you to trust God in your finances. Amen? Would you stand on your feet and let me pray for you? Did you get something out of that, everybody in this room? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Would you just close your eyes and uh, just be still for just a minute, and then Natalia's going to come and close our service with a couple quick announcements. Uh, 
every eye closed, every head bowed, just be still. Honor the person to your right or to your left. I'm just going to pray for you. I'm going to keep it real simple. God, there's, I've done everything I can do. It's all on you. I, I just trust you with, 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 with your people. I was just meant to be the voice, and I hope there's nothing I've done to offend anyone. And if there's any, any vestige of arrogance in me or saying it the wrong way, forgive me, God. And I pray that that not hit them wrong. But Lord, I, help, I, I just pray that you help them separate from their past, their perceptions, from misinterpretation and misinformation, or no information at all, and just simply say, this is an issue of trust between me and you, God. And, and, and we're going to have a conversation about it. Because I want to trust you in every area of my life. And I want to position myself to be under the blessing and favor of God. And I pray for every person who makes that decision that there would be a profound, profound life change, Lord. You'll keep them from falling away. You'll keep them from falling and tripping financially. You'll keep them from making foolish and frivolous decisions. You'll keep them healthy and strong. You'll protect their marriages and their families and their lives and the purpose and plan of God over their life because they return to you. How? In tithes and offerings. And next week, Lord, I believe it's going to be a powerful service because we heeded your word and we talked to you about it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap for his word. Come on up, Italian. Thank you, God.